Armstrong and Getty. This is best of Armstrong and Getty. So a quick follow-up to the uh, intersectionality score <clears throat> that you can figure out for yourself so you can figure out how oppressed you are. And then, you know, if you're good and oppressed, just claim to be offended by everything all the time and uh, have everything given to you because you deserve it. I uh, decided to see how oppressed I could be. I am now a non-white, gay, female, transgender person. Okay? So I guess I was a dude, but now I'm a female, which makes me extra oppressed. I'm really poor. I mean, ratty and poor. Interestingly, I can be either as old as the hills or very, very young. doesn't alter my score. You just can't be in the middle. I'm also completely disabled, I'm afraid to say. I don't speak a lick of English. I was born somewhere else. I have no education. And I am a devout Christian, a devout Muslim, and a devout Jew. So, again, I have internal conflicts would keep anybody up at night. My intersectionality score is 96th. I am more privileged than only 14% of other human beings. What the hell's wrong with them? I can't imagine. Wow. But so, yeah, if if I am a dark-skinned, gay, female, transgender, dirt, poor, bitterly old, disabled, non-English-speaking, foreigner with no education, and a variety of devout religious beliefs, I I get the promotion. Busy weekends. You got a lot of lot of different places to go worship. I got like two three meetings every single day. I mean, I got to go to the transgender devout Jews meeting. Then I'm off to the the very old disabled non-English speakers uh, society, and it's just it's all day long. And the problem with this stuff, as it's playing out in society in various places, is um, this idea that everybody gets their own set of facts, uh, and nobody else can challenge those facts if you're not part of that group. Well, right, and and if there is an exalted group, uh, the Aryan race, for instance, to cite the example that everybody's aware of, um, there must be a uh, a bad guy group. There's got to be an oppressed group, an evil group, and the need to stamp them out is the excuse for power. It functions the same way every time it happens. And every system or people or leader who reinvents the wheel uh, claims that, oh, no, 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 this is this is real. We really do need to stamp out the Jews or, you know, the white people or the, the Kulaks or the Hungarians or, you know, there are a hundred different examples. I mean, ask the Uyghurs in China how it's going for them right now, for instance. So, anyway, the, if this were just, you know, some weird thing that's going on, like the, the Hutus and the Tutsis in Rwanda, it'd be sickening and troubling. The fact that it's being taught in all of our schools and universities now, uh, at least the public ones, man, that's that's bad juju. That's bad stuff. Here's an ethical question for you. What do you do if you find a giant brick of cocaine on the beach? That is happening in Florida. Part of what's happening with the hurricane, for some reason, I, uh, bricks of cocaine have been washing up on a couple of different Florida beaches. Got sunken coke boats coming to Florida. I guess. Yeah, and then the uh, the old hurricane stirs right. up. Yeah. What do you do if you find a brick of cocaine? Mix it in your coffee every morning and and become the top guy in the office. I'm not a drug user. (laughs) I don't feel the need to turn it into authorities, though. Um, I suppose I could just put it in the trash. or If I go out and sell it, I'm now a drug dealer, and I'd have to... 
and that is at the point where you are considered to be moving uh, weight, as they would say, where the, the, the penalties for such would be quite extreme. Well, you could dump it in the river, and all the salmon would be, uh, you know, swimming back and forth at hundred miles. I suppose I could give talking it, about starting a business and buying a boat. I suppose right. I could give it to party friends I know uh, as a gift. Uh, Still got my yeah. number, right? Got you this for your birthday. It's a ten-pound block of cocaine. <laughs> yeah, completely <laughs> pure. I, I have no use for it. Yeah, and that's, you know, I've read about this. I've had friends in law enforcement. Uh, you're not going to move stepped-on cocaine, um, meaning diluted and cut and the rest of it, just because of the expense and risk of moving drugs. So you would have, you'd be moving really, really pure cocaine. Wow. So, yeah, that could, like, you know, keep the disco thumping for the next 530 <laughs> nights in a row. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so what do you do with that? I don't know. I'd be, uh, like Positive Sean points out, I'd be too afraid of the repercussions of doing anything with it. From the world of parenting, I have a couple of things that happened yesterday. Uh, my one son has reached the grade and the point in the year where they get to consider playing musical instruments. Ah, which I the remember, recorder. I remember. <laughs> I think it everybody. record. I don't know it's if, a lie of a name. <laughs> I don't know if they do that anymore or not. But anyway, they went into a gymnasium yesterday and they brought out a whole bunch of stringed instruments. The only options at this point are stringed instruments. You get the, the violin, the viola, which is like a big violin. Mm-hmm. And then a cello, which is like a giant violin, but it it stands upright. And then is that the one where you can do the cool spin thing? <laughs> and then the big bass uh, string thing. And uh, my son was interested in the cello. Why? Because it's the only one you get to sit when you play. <laughs> <laughs> well, no need for a paternity test. <laughs> the main sales point on that was you get to sit. I didn't like the idea of having to stand the whole time. <laughs> That's beautiful. So, so we'll be beginning that soon, and I did as many parents have done over the years. I said, "You, you, I'm all for it. I love it. I love. It. I, I practice music every single day, and they see me doing it, so they know it's something I'm into." Um, but I said, "You got to commit for the year. There's not going to be any. I'm getting bored with this, or I'm not interested, or whatever. You got to do at least this whole year." Um, so we'll see how that goes. Yeah, and explain to them that it's. Uh, and I used to try to teach my my teams this when I was coaching youth sports. That the fun part happens after you do the hard part. Right. And I right. promise you the fun part is coming when you're skilled enough that you're going to do things that you really enjoy. And maybe even decades later. Right. I, I enjoy playing musical instruments now because of stuff I learned in grade school that I didn't really even enjoy. <laughs> but I'm yeah. glad I learned it because I can do it now. I remember Billy Joel tells the story of he, he hated piano lessons. His parents made him do it, and he freaking hated it. I so wish I'd, I'd my parents had had me do piano lessons or I'd taken up the cello, uh, as I prefer to pronounce it. Um, I, you I, know, I remember as a kid getting so frustrated with struggle. When, when things were difficult and I couldn't do it right away, my my immediate instinct, well, I, I just don't want it. And I, but now I have learned to embrace struggle, and that's actually one of my favorite parts about learning new things. Yeah, I'm glad you sounded you mentioned a little that. like Karl Marx there, I'm, embracing I'm, struggle, right, comrade? I'm but. glad you mentioned that because I was explaining to my son about how they now believe the brain works. When you get that pain in your brain, like, this is so hard, it's driving me crazy. That's just like exercising to the point of muscle, muscle failure. It's making your brain stronger. That right. is something you need to do. I try to do it 
in, it's, at some level every single day. It's uncomfortable, and it's, it's not a good feeling, but it's a good thing. Well, and as a parent, and listen, this sounds like a humble brag. I swear to God it's not. There are a lot of things that came to me really easily as a kid. Um, I was immediately, you know, I'll just say in the top half of people doing stuff. And the lack of the I'm going to grind my way through this and do the work gene, or it's not a gene, obviously, it's a, it's a muscle you develop, it's uh, that, well, I'll just tell you, it's a terrible thing not to have, and I kind of wish I'd been uh, ordered to do more things that were hard for me or really stretched my abilities. You know, I would have screamed and wailed and whined about it as a kid. Yeah, but, well, yeah, to have played the piano, I mean, doing what I'm doing now with music, oh, that'd be so helpful. Well, my oldest, with his personality, I specifically want to see him do something that he that is hard. Yeah. And that it's difficult and is frustrating, as opposed to he can do it and it's fun all the time. That's, that's a good point, Jack. <laughs> I will tell you this. After years of practice, I was able to play the trombone like you're listening to right now. <laughs> One other... Brought tears to people's eyes. I can't tell you how many people have said that to me. I hear you play, and I just want to cry. Brings blood to their eyes like Joe Biden. <laughs> uh, one other kid story. So my youngest, the seven-year-old, Henry, um, they both have their own room, and Henry's got a bunk bed, and there was nothing on the top bunk. And, and Sam had too much stuff in his room and no place to put it, so Henry is renting out his top bunk. <laughs> $2 a week for Sam to store his stuff up there. I love that. And Laura, mom, said yesterday, she said, you can't r- have a rental unit in your room. I said, I think it's a great idea. So he's running rental space in his room. It's $2 a week for Sam to store stuff on his upper back and told him if he spills any food or drink up there, it's a $2 cleanup fee. <laughs> yes. Yes, so I think a pet deposit. I think it's great. <laughs> I think it's great that he's re- he's got rental units in his room. He's making a profit on his own room. Hopefully That's he won't become a slumlord. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Wow, that's just that's beautiful. God, that get that really gets to the whole you can't even get equal outcomes with your own kids. How are you going to get equal outcomes um, you know, with other people? They just I got two kids and they think so completely differently about the world and everything. Oh, yeah. Well, Thomas Sowell put it so brilliantly. Think of what you would have to do to ensure that your two sons had the same outcome. It'd be almost impossible. Well, and and think and of really the impression you'd have to, you'd oh, have yeah. to visit on oh, both yeah. of them. Oh yeah. Yeah, that just seems self-evident to some of us. But, you know, it's funny. I, I own just... the house. Shouldn't I get a VIG of some sort? Oh, clearly. Shouldn't I get a kickback oh my... on the $2 rental space? I yeah, own the house and bought the bed. It seems like something should be coming my direction. Yeah, he's clearly just sub... damn high. I, well, amen to that. Um, he's clearly just subleasing the space you own. Right. So you ought to get a cut. But, <laughs> you know, it's funny. I was, I was just closing the uh, the tab with the intersectionality score sheet that I was doing. And uh, why isn't shared a room as a kid on there? Because mm. your kids have uh, solo room. Privilege. They never shared a room. I shared a room with my brothers. I did until, well, from, well, actually, I shared a room with my sister when we were really small. We lived in the crappy apartment that flooded and there were mushrooms in the, the carpet. Um, when we moved to our own house, I had my own room for, I think, a year. And then my brother was born. Yeah, My dad and, grew up with four boys in one bed. That's the way they slept. Hey, I'm intersectionality myself. Don't trump me with your dad till I'm done. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. 
Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. Where are they selling crap at America's universities? I tell you what, I think you know, I think American universities are a net negative right now. Yep. Well, uh, yeah, just plunging poor kids into yeah. debt at a time when the dissemination of knowledge is a tiny fraction in terms of expense of what it used to be. Virtually all of the knowledge available on Earth can, is at your fingertips as we speak. You know what it reminds now, me? Now there's some role in mentoring, in in probing questions, in testing your knowledge, that sort of thing. But the idea that that at this moment college would be more expensive than ever, and young people would be plunging plunging themselves into disastrous debt that's insane. You know what it reminds me of, and what's brought around along the Reformation. Uh, is right at the time the printing press hit, that's when the, the church had to really, like, clamp down because they realized they were losing their hold. Mm. And I wonder if it's the same thing with universities. Oh, crap, you can get this information anywhere now. We've got to really squeeze money out of people or something because this right. is our last gasp. And we've got to make it, make it known that it's obligatory you have a piece of paper from us. Yeah. Anyway. The majors most and least likely to favor socialism. I found somewhat interesting. Probably worth mentioning before we go on, uh, socialism is perhaps humanity's greatest ever example of something that sounds good and is a terrible idea. It is disastrous. It will always be disastrous. It ignores the entirety of human nature. It results in the concentration of power among despots and is a disaster every time. Having said that, Philosophy majors are 78% in favor, very or somewhat favorable of socialism. Number one on the list, not a surprise, in favor of socialism, philosophy majors. They spend all their time thinking about thinking, and then they think up crap. They live in a a, a pretend world of of make-believe. Right. (laughs) Sit around and think. Well, one of the... I, I heard this description of... Socialism just doesn't scale well, right? The smaller the group, the more it makes it. Amongst your family, oh, yeah, you are be very great, social. Yeah. Every, okay, yeah. I, we have this piece of this loaf of bread. We all need to and that's, break it up. And that's part it, of what, why it works to sell it to people, because you think, well, yeah, me and my friends and everybody, yeah. we, we'd do it. We'd we'll all try hard. Share like, yeah, we'd yeah. get up in the morning and work as hard as we could. You know, that's funny. That brilliantly anticipates the comment I was going to make about the uh, next highest number, which is quite a bit smaller, uh, but anthropology majors. That's a 53%. I mean, it drops from 78 to 53. Now, anthro majors, I'm picturing you. Of course, a lot of that's tied up in some of the wackadoo grievance study fields. The pseudosciences of today, the, the women's studies and black studies and lesbian studies and the rest of it that have this terrible fake research that was so brilliantly exposed by uh, the trio of scientists we talked to. Maybe you follow the story, but... You know, anthro majors, I'm reminded of Sebastian Younger's brilliant book, Tribe, which everybody ought to read. And and your primitive tribes, is that is that like a uh, saying primitive tribes? That's probably racist. No, I think uh, it isn't the last time I checked. All right. It will be soon. Yeah. So I'll say it for now. Uh, but your primitive tribes often had very socialist uh, structures. Number one, you're moving around all the time, so you couldn't accumulate wealth because you had to carry it. Except in the societies that, and there were quite a few of them that had slaves, but anyway, it was all share and share likey. And you'll have anthro majors and soft heads like that point that out. But what Sebastian Younger, Younger points out in Tribe is that in societies like that, if you failed to contribute 
fully, you'd be killed. You'd be left to starve to death, or you would be affirmatively murdered. You'd be executed for failing to bust your ass on everybody else's behalf. And modern socialism has the first half of it, but none of the second half of it, which I think is one of your key points. Philosophy, anthro, English majors, oh, they spend all their time reading your Shelley and your Byron and your your, your Chaucer. <laughs> Chaucer. Chaucer. Play Chaucer sucks. Boo. Oh, <laughs> uh, then uh, international relations majors, 7% very favorable on socialism. Uh, 51% somewhat favorable. You do get into what do you mean by socialism. I grant you that. Then you got social. Finally, you get down to social majors. Then music majors. Then law and criminology. The more you study the way people actually behave, the less likely you are to like it. Then econ, uh, finance, and and finally accounting. Accounting majors have no patience for socialism. That's not up. We no, did the math. It's yeah, really I've, done I've checked these figures four different times. This is impossible. I don't think that's an accident. The number one critique of socialism is that uh, you run out of other people's money. Accountants get that. Yeah. (laughs) So the number one supporters of socialism is people who lay around dreaming about ideas all day. And the dead freaking last one is the people who actually deal with dollars and cents. Do you think that's a coincidence? If you do, come closer. I need to slap you upside your head. Wow. Armstrong and Getty. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show. Talk 650. Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. I had an almost all-day-long medical procedure at my house with my son yesterday. He had an infusion and uh, had to hold him down to get the uh, IV started. Oh, boy. Thrashing and screaming he was going to die, which is a not pleasant thing to do. Oh, my. You just have to keep convincing yourself this has to happen and it's for his good and all that. Sure. Awful. But anyway, once uh, once it was in, he said, that was it? That was the whole thing? Oh, man. So, yeah, it's what, it's what I've been trying to tell you for a while now. It really doesn't hurt that much. Yeah. I didn't even feel it. Yeah, well, fantastic. Let's remember that for next time. <laughs> you know, screaming and thrashing is is a pretty good self-distraction, too. I'm not recommending it or, or, or uh, underselling it as a difficult thing for a parent, but... He's, You're screaming and yelling about stuff. People can, you know, put it in there. Oh, it's in? Okay, great. He's 88 pounds. I have to know the exact weight for the amount of medicine that he's getting. But if if an 88-pound animal thinks it's, you know, is fighting for its life, it's not easy to hold them still enough. Right. I mean, it took my wife and I, com- both of us, to completely, like, get him held well enough to get that going. Yeah. Oh, it, was, it, was, it was something. But then things mellowed out. Yeah. Quite a bit. Well, wow. that's it. Oh. Jiminy. <laughs> yeah, and, right then. and I'd made a deal with him once he got that going, because he was going to be, I think it was like five hours of uh, having the IV in before then some other things happen. I said, I'll get you anything. You can send me to get you anything to eat or drink. Anything wow. you want. I'll go anywhere. Wow. So I'd gone for In-N-Out burgers and milkshakes and a donut and various things. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh, speaking <laughs> of milkshakes. So uh, we're uh, Judy and I, my wife and I, are visiting our youngest, who is going to uh, college in the Washington D.C. area, 
And we had a lovely long weekend, speaking of children, uh, hanging out with her and, and her boyfriend and, and just seeing the sights. It was just fabulous. Um, but ate too much. Uh, you know, I've been doing very, very well losing weight and just ate like a hog and forgot about all the rules by the end of it. And was eating crap I haven't <laughs> ate, eaten for months. It's just weird how that works. It's but like so, figuring out of the dam. I mean, it's just... Uh, yeah, I know. I mean, I... It's I've human nature, eating, apparently. I went from eating no carbs, I mean, like, like no carbs, to not only is the biscuit there that they gave me for breakfast looking pretty good, but a little jelly would be good on there. <laughs> I don't know. You use a whole jelly. <laughs> so, you know... A little from, jelly would be good. <laughs> from, from saint to, like, the king of sinners. But, so, anyway, uh, but you know how it is when you're traveling, especially it was coast to coast, um, and, and by, like, the midpoint, you're feeling pretty self-indulgent. And uh, and so I found myself uh, sitting there. And where was I? Might have still been at Dulles. I can't remember. Sitting in the airport, thinking, wonder how many carbs there are in a chocolate milkshake. Wow. I sure would like a chocolate milkshake. That's mostly like fat and stuff. I can do that. I'm low carb, and that'd be fine. I'd check it. <laughs> and and I find out a small McDonald's milkshake, and I'm not getting a small, but small McDonald's milkshake. <laughs> Six grams of sugar in it. That's not bad. Six. It's practically nothing. Well, the cheeseburger is four. But I didn't contemplate going to McDonald's. I was going to go to the Five Guys mm. Burger and Fries right there. It was right across from the uh, the gate. And I checked that one out. Eighty two. Whoa. So. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. Hang I on wouldn't now. have known that. Hang on now. There's something odd going on with one of those. Again, let me be the latest to ask, what is in a McDonald's milkshake? I'll tell you this, they don't melt. You can set them in the sun, they're still cold. That Something ain't right, going on man. There. That ain't right. <laughs> so I went and got myself a stupid bag of peanuts instead and ate the stupid Lame. peanuts. So, this is kind of rough here. I have stood up for Joe Biden on a number of occasions around his uh, loose mouth. Yes. Um, over, you know, overemphasizing various gaffes, making too big a deal out of this. Other people say that sort of thing, you know, doesn't get mentioned. It's become a narrative, and everybody's looking for one. Right. And, and there, there's the argument he's always been goofy. And then he got run out of a, a race. He's run. This is the third time he's run for president. And when he ran for president in '88, he got run out of the race for a for a for a gaffe. Then completely unfairly. I mean, and it's just it's documented. It was unfair what the media did. Wow. Um, there's Back no when the doubt media about it. Used to attack both sides unfairly. Good times. But so he did this over the weekend, and um, let me just read one. Well, I don't want to give away the punchline. Let's just let's just go with Joe Biden. And he was speaking to 400 people, packed into a college meeting hall. Joe Biden painting a vivid scene when a four-star general had asked him as the vice president to travel to Afghanistan to recognize the remarkable heroism of a Navy captain. And the story went like this. The four-star general asked me whether I'd go up into the fob. Now everybody got concerned, the vice president going up in the middle of this. But there was, we can lose a vice president. We can't lose many more of these kids. Not a joke. And it's the God's truth. My word is a Biden. He stood his attention. I went to pin him. I said, sir, I don't want the damn thing. Do not pin it on me, sir. Please, sir. Do not do that. He died. I was making the point how courageous okay, let's, these people let's stop, are. Let's stop there. Let's, we're not leap, leaping to there yet. 
Um, so as you just heard Joe Biden say, and if you watch this, Joe Biden's pretty emotional about this. And he can tell. And he is a big military supporter. Um, uh, I saw some uh, pundits pointing out, I mean, he's one of the few people left on the, on, the, on the main stage in the Democratic Party that is just so into the military and supporting the troops and that mm-hmm. sort of stuff and right. recognizing what they do. At least one of his sons served. And that and that whole thing, sir. I don't want de- don't want the damn thing. Biden says through clenched teeth, and I mean it was just pretty impassioned. The room was silent. This is the God's truth. My word is a Biden. And then from the Washington Post, except almost every detail in the story appears to be incorrect. Based on interviews with more than a dozen U.S. troops, their commanders, and Biden campaign officials, it appears as though the the former vice president has jumbled elements of at least three actual events into one story of bravery, compassion, and regret that never happened. Biden visited Konar province in 2008 as a U.S. senator, not as vice president. I don't see that as that big a deal, but... Um, 2008 is pretty close to when he was. Was, yeah. was he already campaigning at that point? Yeah, yeah I, that one doesn't bother me that much. The service member who performed the celebrated rescue that Biden described was a 20-year-old Army specialist, not a much older Navy captain. Okay, that's not that big a deal either. And that soldier never had a silver star or any other medal pinned on him by Biden. Okay, that gets to be a bigger deal. Yeah, that's, uh, a, that's a little Brian Williams rounds coming into the airframe. At a White House ceremony six years after Biden's visit, White stood at attention as Barack Obama placed a Medal of Honor, the nation's highest award for honor, around his neck. In the space of three min- minutes, Biden got the time period, the location, the heroic act, the type of medal, the military branch, and the rank of the recipient wrong, as well as his, as his own role in the ceremony. Other than that, though, it was dramatic as hell. Um, and Our, uh, well, okay, this is, this is... Do you want to hear Biden's explanation for yeah. it? Yeah, okay. yeah, why not? I was making the point how courageous these people are, how incredible they are, this generation of warriors, these fallen angels we've lost. I don't know what the problem is. I mean, what is it that I said wrong? Okay. Well, all the facts. Uh, you know, and this is, it's funny how clear it is to me now. Joe Biden has Brian Williams disease. It's not about him being senile, because he's always been like this. Now, he might be fading somewhat. A lot of people who say him know he is, but you know, I'm, not, I'm not that worried about that, honestly. Um, he's got Brian Williams disease. He wants to make the story better. He wants to be the guy telling the great story. So rounds coming into the airframe. Right, their bodies floating by in the hotel, all that crap Brian Williams made up. He wants so badly, plus he's a politician, so he wants to connect with the crowd and rouse them and the rest of it. He, he's gone, though, I don't know if it's a bit-by-bit thing or the way your brain works thing. He's gone from, you know, just jazzing up a few details around the edges to make it a better story to now he just invents stuff that has a slight basis in fact, but he's an author. I mean, it's like, uh, I don't know if anybody's ever written a book. Uh, there you were in, uh, you know, uh, your first job and the gal boss came on to you. So you decide to write a novel about that. Well, after that, it's fiction. You just make up details and, and, and things that happen the rest of it. I just think Joe Biden takes a grain of truth and just weaves tall tales. Joe Biden is a dummy. That could be. Um, my my belief is I don't think he's the Hillary Clinton just makes lies up. You know, I, I had to duck and run across the tarmac as they were shooting at me. I think she's just a liar. Mm. Um, I think he's an old man who various events from his life just kind of come together in one story, and he can't tell the difference because he's that old. Mm, yeah. I think he's I, I just could... at that age where he just he can't tell. 
I he just can't tell anymore. He's done so many things and met so many people. The details are just really fuzzy. That's, nice. That's a pretty big story, though. The the I still get welled up thinking about it. My word is a Biden. I pin, went to pin this on his chest, and he looked at me and yeah. said, "That's a pretty." Now, did that happen a different time? And as an old man, I mean, it could have happened when he was 50, 30 years ago, 25 years ago. It could have happened when he was 50, and in his mind, as an old man, he's just kind of... I mean, the way the human memory works is is crazy. I don't don't think, and, you know, maybe I'm covering up for him too much. I don't think he's just an out-and-out liar like Hillary Clinton, where she just makes crap up. What's Brian Williams? I think Brian Brian Williams is crazy. I think he's crazy. I became very sick with dysentery. Not like psychotic. He's got a personality yeah, quirk. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. I think Biden's um. Uh, well, what's the what's the proper term? Old <laughs> dummy. Cena, I guess. Dummy. No, I don't. <laughs> do you? I don't know. I just no. I, I and, think uh, he's well, got. He may be. I, I think he's got a bunch of stuff washing around in his uh, heading up toward eighty year old brain. And yeah. He just, I mean, you should watch the video. I mean, he's. He's he's impassioned about telling the story. Have you ever have you ever been around really old people that that kind of get that way? Sure. About things that didn't happen or haven't they're you know, it's 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 tough. Yeah. They believe it. Well, okay. And which would be worse by the way? The um I I I call it lying whatever I jazz up stories. I make stuff up to try to whip up crowds or I'm. I can't really tell what's true and what's not, and they all jumble together in my head, which is worse. You know, Mark Leibovich, uh, who uh, we've talked to on the show many times, he's the author of the best book about Washington D.C. I've ever read. Uh, this town. Um, he uh, he has a column in the New York Times about how Joe Biden doesn't really seem to be interested in being president when you get down. To oh, really? It. I haven't seen that. Yeah, and uh, you know, I don't think the old guy thing is fatal. I don't think the uh, Brian Williams disease thing is fatal. You don't think he bombed? Our captain took a purple heart injury to his ear in the cockpit. No, he didn't. What if he bombs Germany? Remember the Bismarck? No, that was 100 years well, ago. See, so. I don't, I'm not as concerned as you are about that. <laughs> You're conflating your decades again, Mr. President. <laughs> centuries. And I this idea is a bunch of malarkey. And I know, sir. And I, I don't think the whole, uh, I'd kind of like to be president because Trump shouldn't be. I'm not sure that lack of desire is fatal. But the three-drug cocktail, as it were, forget it. You got a dead candidacy. Armstrong and Getty. You're listening to the best of the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. It appears to me this is from the same engagement as the legendary corn, uh, not corn cob, corn pop speech. With chains wrapped around heads and, and rusty blades slashing people's throats and the rest of it. <laughs> remember the well, straight race, you'd bang them on the curb? Yeah. Sure no, do. Sure do, no, Grandpa. I don't. I didn't do that. I remember uh, you telling us about it, but I don't. I don't remember that. I apologize for that. Uh, thank you. Well, yet another one of Uncle Joe's little asides, uh, and then we will uh, we'll listen. Then we will analyze. Hit it, Joe. I saw that made me aware when I was in law school. Proudly for Holloway, proudly for your dad, first African American state senator in the state of in the state of Delaware. Everything about. And by the way, you know, I sit on the stand, and it get hot. I got a lot of, I got hairy legs. 
that turn that 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 turn uh, um, blonde in the sun. What? And the kids used to come up and reach in the pool and rub my leg down <laughs> so it was straight, and then watch the hair <laughs> come back up again. <laughs> they look at it. So I learned about roaches. I learned about kids what? jumping on my lap. And I've loved kids jumping on my lap. Second. And I tell you what, the men, they're not all men, the guys I work with down here, and they're all guys at the time. Oh, God. They're all good men. Most of them made an awful lot of themselves. And Earl Larkin had a rough time. What? And some of you knew Earl. I, def I came back as a public defender. And then I All guess right. his handlers came and yanked him off. Oh, okay, having a good wow. time, Joe? When, when was this? Is this recent or a long time ago? It looks like it's the same speech as the corn cob it, speech. The audio sounds exactly the same. Now, was, it, he, it, was he on a meds at, at that point, at that speech, at that pool? Uh, I don't know. And obviously, we, we jump in and, and jump out. The, the leg thing, the leg hair thing is utterly inexplicable. Some of those names, obviously, <laughs> he'd mentioned in context sure, earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me, but... Um, it, it, I think there is one local news station that was at that event and taped it. And I think they're the only ones with that tape. And they are, it would appear, and, and I don't know, I haven't looked into it much, but it would appear that they are uh, periodically releasing yet another Joe Bon Mo. And I'm starting to feel like I, I was with the Lord of the Rings movies where I just can't wait for the next one to come out. The, um, the phrase is there that more? I, the phrase that I am eagerly looking for in any Joe Biden speech from here on out is this. And by the way, you know. <laughs> and by the way, yeah, that's when he, the good stuff oh, starts. No, no doubt. No <laughs> doubt. He usually switches gears uh, completely. When he says, oh, and by the way. And by the way, you know, I sit on the stand and it get hot. I got a lot of, I got hairy legs that turn, that, 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 that turn uh, um, blonde in the sun. And the kids used to come up and reach in the pool and rub my leg down so it was straight and then watch the hair come back up again. What? They look at it. So I learned about roaches. I learned about kids jumping on my lap. And mm. I've loved kids jumping on my lap. Okay. So, All right. Well, roaches was a reference earlier, maybe? I don't know. It probably, yeah. That's fine. I mean, I, yeah. as much as I enjoy mocking old Joe, I think it probably made sense in context. But uh, That leg hair story is a little weird. Who decides that's a good idea to tell that story? Wow. I mean, were you briefly a, a Catholic priest at the time? <laughs> oh, unfair. Yeah. Unfair. So, assuming you're on his staff, and this, uh, this event where he talked about corn pop, rusty blades, <laughs> and leg hair petting... <laughs> And he's and he's done with the event, and you're and you're in the post game room. Yeah, which do you bring up first? Is okay. Here's what we got to work on, Joe. Yeah, here's here's what we got to. Here's the oh, damage man. control starts with the leg hair. No, no, we got to start with the rusty blades. No, no fewer knife fight stories. <laughs> I remember a corn pop had come to the pool, and he'd rub my legs, <laughs> watch my hairy legs. I said, "Hey, Esther, look at the way corn my hair pop was a bad dude." <laughs> I said, "Hey, Esther." Look at my look at my leg hair, Esther. Wow. <laughs> you know, one thing in old Joe's defense, because I believe he's a wacky old man, but <clears throat> I was reading over the weekend that he ha he's had a fairly serious stuttering problem since he was a little kid. Yeah. And so he was when Joey he b -b 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 Biden when he was a kid, everybody made fun of him. Oh yeah, I just I see I'd forgotten that. And so sometimes when he's trying to find the word and his eyes close and everything like that, he's trying to get uh, past his stutter. That's a good point. I I knew a guy that stuttered his whole life, 
And that's exactly what he would do. He would stop, he would close his eyes, and he'd gather himself, and then he'd get through the word. That's what he learned to do as a kid. Right. So that's what he's doing. There will be no mockery of Joe Biden for anything like that. Absolutely not. It's a vexing problem. A lot of people suffer from it, and it's certainly not the sort of thing you ought to mock. Um, that is on the exactly other hand, what's happening there. Inexplicable child leg stroking stories are uh, they're out of bounds, man. I apologize for that. <laughs> God dang it. Those were truly the days before cable TV when then the kids would flock over. Hey! Let's smooth the life guard's hair under the water, then watch it pop up again. Yeah, I can't get my kids to go outside at all. And oh, I kids, want to watch Howdy Doody. Isn't that what kids kids used to do for fun because they didn't have video games? There's wow. an old man with white leg hair at the pool. Who wants to go? <laughs> Let's all go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. So this local station, what do they have? What are they sitting on? Is this like the uh, usually the second movie in a trilogy is a bit of a down uh, in the cycle, and then they got a blockbuster third in which he discusses his love affair with William Howard Taft? Or well, I don't, I don't know. Is there more? Somebody's got to get to these people. And are they on his side or against him? I wonder. I, 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 it doesn't sound like they're on his side. You wouldn't release this stuff. Uh, they're journalists. You know, it happened, so they're reporting on it. Mm. This is the best of Armstrong and Getty. 